big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone, and it's so nice to be back. We haven't done a podcast for a few months, so it's it's been a um, break. So how are you, my friend, Marion? I was going to say, it seems like years, isn't it? Lifetimes Mm. ago. Mm. Mm. I am very well, thank you. Blue Mm. sky here. We've had no summer here. It's been Mm. raining the whole time, which has Mm -hmm. been what it has been. But I'm so enjoying the beautiful, crystal clear blue sky bright green mm. trees I feel so happy when the weather's like this that's mm. just where I'd like to start should we have a conversation about the weather <laughs> <laughs> very well, <yeah>. parenting <laughs> yeah yeah well you know I live in Melbourne or Victoria which the joke here is you have four seasons in a day which you do normally like it can start off at 40 degrees at 11 a.m and then by five o'clock in the afternoon, it's 18 degrees. So depending on where you're listening around the world, degrees in Fahrenheit, it's very, very hot. And then it goes to cold. So yes, but let's not talk about the weather because there's so many other exciting things to talk about. So you were just nice and Mary. neutral though, isn't it? It's yeah. Nice yeah. Safe. Yeah, it totally is. Well, you, you have been working a lot over this kind of Christmas holiday season by the sounds of it. Yeah, I have so alive for me. I had Christmas Day off and I just... But apart from that, I haven't. But I've been really enjoying it. And so like there's been no summer. I haven't had any desire to lie in the sun because there hasn't been any. So mm. I'm enjoying what I do. And so I kept doing it. <laughs> nice. That's beautiful. That's so nice to hear. I ended up having some beautiful family time because my we are moving down the coast and my two beautiful adult children are, are not coming with us. So they're they're moving out. And it was actually really beautiful that we kind of all ended up being away together with some of their friends and we all got to hang out together. And I'm really just noticing the beauty of these kind of last days of all living under the same house for now and the transitions and the changes. So it's been really sweet for me actually over these holiday time to, I don't know, just cherish my beautiful adult kitties and, you know, love on them and their friends and just really sit with the transitions that are happening in our family. It's um, it's beautiful and it also can feel some big feelings there. So, but it's, but mostly it's really beautiful because I'm watching them step out and thrive and, you know, go and live their lives, which is amazing. So, so it's been, for me, it's been, um, you know, it's been really sweet this, this time and this break to just be with my family and just to, to really absorb these next steps, which I know for a lot of people who listen to our podcast, they've got little people and that probably feels like a lifetime away, you know, when the time comes when your kids leave home. But, you know, I'm doing one of those such cliche things of like, it goes so quickly. <laughs> like I remember taking my son to kindergarten for the first time and, you know, them starting school and just all those things. And um, and now they're out there being adults living living their best lives so yeah it's pretty beautiful such a profound thing isn't it to have I've had a little baby and now they're like way bigger than Mm. than us I find it such a profound thing that Mm. that um continuation of connection whilst they're literally so completely different physically anyway yes incredible and you know one of the things I find really fascinating is that I don't feel particularly for my adult 
kids, my two oldest, I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I am their mother, but I don't feel like I'm their mother in the sense of that they don't need caretaking. They don't need me to make doctor's appointments for them. They don't need me to, you know, do any of those things that we often do as mothers in that caregiving role. It's, it really shifts and they are like beautiful friends and, um, it's really changed, you know, because I don't, I don't feel worried about them or I don't feel concerned. I'm just, I'm just always delighted to see them and catch up and hang out and I'm there to listen if they need, but it's, it's such a shift too in the role that we're doing. So it's, yeah, it's been really beautiful watching and observing that within myself. Mm, So beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So let's dive into what we're going to talk about today, because this is, um, this is a big, beautiful topic that I think I think actually comes up a lot in a lot of the clients I would work with. And I'd probably say the same, you know, I'm sure you'd say the same, Marion, around bringing this awareness with our parenting or how we live and how that lands in the systems that are set up in our culture and how often they are not a match. And it feels very, very tricky. And I think um, I have heard from quite a few parents recently because of what we've been living through in the last two years and, you know, not being able to drop your child at school and go into their classroom or if that's happening at kindergarten if or different ways where we would normally have connection with people and all sorts of different stuff has really highlighted on some level how, you know, that, that doesn't work when we are raising our kids with awareness and consciousness because that attachment, that connection, that gentleness that we need to bring all of a sudden our society, well, not all of a sudden our society's always been kind of the opposite of that, but it, a lot of um, people I've worked with is, wow, there is such a contrast in what I want to do and how I would love to be in the world with my children and then what the world kind of sometimes mirrors back. So I thought, you know, we both thought that we would dive into this topic a little bit today around the systems that we live in and how we create change on some level. Yes, and it can be interesting to think that for some people it's actually maybe coming across aware parenting and practising aware parenting that starts the looking at things differently process and the moving away from perhaps what we might call the mainstream perception of human beings and what we're here for and what children need and what humans need Mm. for some people it may have started you know some way before many many years before of actually really questioning um the the culture that we're born into and I guess for me the further along I've gone the more I see things from that cultural perspective that the the lens becomes bigger and bigger and wider and wider so what I see really is that where parenting is one of the ways to be really looking at in particular children but as well us differently the thing is really it's not about supporting children to fit into the system better it's about understanding that number one it can be really hard to parent in this way within the the system that's operating at the the time because it's not set up to support this kind of parenting and to support us to actually change those systems for ourselves so that we have more of the kind of culture community that is required to um, bring children up in ways that thrive that they thrive but also to actually support our children to change the systems so it's not about creating more compliant children it's actually about helping children to be the ones who are part of changing these systems which do not 
fundamentally do not um, support human beings to thrive, to be deeply connected with themselves, to be deeply connected with their families, to be deeply connected with their callings. This, this, this system and this culture is set up to do the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really having that bigger picture context can really help in so many ways from deep compassion from when, for when it's hard to, to clarity about what actually might be going on, for example, when family members are feeling uh, concerned or judging. We talk, did a whole episode on that a few months back just to really understand what is actually going on Mm. yes and and so much of what you're saying there is well it was um the essence of why um mel who's my partner who built woodline primary with me why we built the school because a lot of you know she came to me and was like I just I wish that what we did at home was in the classroom I wish that it was okay for my son to have big feelings and it was held and he wasn't shamed and his name wasn't put on the board Um, I wish that there is choice and autonomy in, in what he does and where his learning is and and it really was from those discussions that we had that we went well what is possible here how could we do it and so what's been fascinating in actually um, setting up my school, our school, and um, watching it in action is, and we're in our second year now, is watching the growth of the children and watching what has happened in the biggest system of our school with anyone who's involved in it. And what's been really fascinating um I don't know if it was you who said it to me, Mary, when we first opened Woodline, and um, I don't know if it was you or not, and um, I was, you know, there was a lot of balls in the air and a lot of stuff was going on. And we we're really trying to find our feet. And I was like, oh, my God, there's so many feelings. Everyone's got feelings. And I think you might have said to me something like, well, when you open up a school based on feelings, everyone's going to bring them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, this is going to be this is going to be big. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I mean, that was my intent, but somehow I missed a part of, okay, now everybody bring them and we'll see what happens. Uh What's been fascinating, I think, and we're only, again, this is our second year in and we've had so much growth and so much unlearning and so many things that we've had to tweak and look at and and things in theory that I thought would be great didn't land and then watching where it would move to is, you know, all the guides, we call our teacher's guides that we have here who most of them have taught in other places have come this year and have all just said, this is what I I wanted when I first became a teacher, this is what feels so right and so natural and the contrast feels so jarring, knowing where I've come from, to come to a place like this where uh, we are really tuning into the children, where there is the space to listen to their feelings, where there's also the space for them as adults to have feelings, you know, and every time one of our guides or teachers or someone has something be gone and they need to cry, it's welcomed, you know, and they're all like, this isn't normal in a workplace, right? And I'm like, well, unless you feel and unless you release your feelings, then you're not going to be able to turn up for the children in the way we need to, much like parenting, much like what we talk about with parenting all the time. We have to do our work. We have to, um, you know, when when our children are sometimes stuck, it's because we're stuck with our stuff and we need to lean into where our feelings sit. And then often our children just open up and shift as well. So, you know, that that's not going to be any different whether we're in a classroom or whether, you know, it's your own child at home. So how do we keep supporting these adults to feel what they need to feel in order to bring that to the children? So it's been extraordinary watching this and 
you know, I, I know I've shared before, I get messages every week from people all over the world saying, can you bring this school here or do it there? And I'm like, I wish I could, because I think it's the way we could do education in a different way. Now we've, you know, it's a really, again, it's about what suits families and children and there is no right or wrong within it, but I really feel this has to be another option where it is really about connection and attunement and choice and autonomy and seeing how a child learns best and holding space for their feelings and allowing them and encouraging them to be the best version of themselves. That That's the vision. That's the goal, you know, as we're, as you know, as what we're holding for Woodline. Uh, but what's interesting in setting this up to hopefully be a way that education can look, you know, the feelings of all the adults are the ones that are the most prevalent at the moment as it's off, it's asking them to undo all the other times when they were coerced into doing stuff or when they didn't feel like they had a choice or what happened in their schooling and all those kind of pieces. What's been fascinating to watch is all those elements turn up and listen to them and allow them to be healed as as we're doing this for the children. And, and you know, there's lots there for everybody. So we're all a beautiful, fabulous work in progress. Uh, but, you know, what it, it really, as I stand back and watch what's happening there, I see, and, and this has got a lot to do with, with parents I've worked with over the years, exactly as you said earlier, trying to help our kids fit into a system that doesn't respond to them in the way that we want as parents. And I watched that navigating my own children who went through mainstream schooling and how do I bring this aware parenting and all I stand for in a system that is all still based on punishments, rewards, shaming, you know, and and how do we navigate it? And really there is no doubt for me that watching my children go through those years of education is what fueled a desire to build something different. I'm, I'm a bit sad that it was too late for them, but I, I trust their journeys and what they learned through it that, that has given us the fuel to create something different. And so I think it, it sits in a really tricky place for some parents because there's not schools like Woodline everywhere. Um, and, and for some parents, you know, home learning and homeschooling isn't an option. And how do we navigate or change or bring about some change to these systems so that our children can be heard and seen and move into thriving, not just surviving in our systems? Mm, I love all that you said, Lael. And I'm wondering even the first step is can always be awareness like the awareness that the systems are not set up to support families to put to put children to support parents and to understand then when it's hard and challenging and difficult that that is not the fault of the parent or the child it's actually because the system is set up in a way that is not designed it's actually I would say is designed to not support families and I think that in itself is so important because Again, I think the system is set up to for us to blame ourselves, to either judge ourselves. Why am I finding it so hard? Why am I so overwhelmed? Why, you know, if a parent's maybe going out to work all day and the child's going to school all day and then they're exhausted every night, I mean, that they can that the system wants people to believe there's something wrong with them for finding it hard, rather than looking at the system and that the system is not in any way set up to support support families. So I think that can often be even the first step to go rather than rather than judging yourself as a parent or judging your child is actually see of course it's hard and to be deeply compassionate with both of you for finding it hard 
through no fault of your own, but through the, the challenge of fitting into a system that is fundamentally set up to disconnect us from ourselves, our families, our culture, our, the land, the you know, our wisdom, all the things. So I think that in itself can be really primary and fundamental in um, having a different relationship with ourselves. I think that is just such a really powerful point because we often, you're so right, we default to, well, why can't my child cope or why can't I cope and why aren't they just being good and doing what everyone else is being told to do? And you're so right. It actually, they're not meant to, you know, and I have found that that for my kids particularly, they did struggle in the system and they did push back a bit and there were many times where, they would come home and say this and this and this happened and I got in trouble for it. And I'd be like, and well, how does that feel for you? And they'd be like, well, that teacher was so not in their authenticity and they were so shaming and they were, and they could see what was going on and they would make a stand for it or they would, they would speak back to it. And I was incredibly proud. I was like, amazing. Look, you've seen the contrast of what that looks like. And how do we also keep you (laughs) just to get you through, you know, what this may look like. And I, and I look back and, you know, and I do feel like some sadness about this. I remember like with my son, maybe when he was in year eight and, you know, he'd come home from school and he was like, you know, he was like, this just sucks. I just don't want to do it. And, and at that time I didn't have the capacity to home learn. I didn't know what else was available to him. And he was an athlete right from the moment he was born. He really needed to move his body. And I remember saying things to him, mate, I know it's hard. You just, you just got to do another few years and get through. And then you can go to the soccer school and, you know, and I just, I look back now and think, you know, I trust that it was exactly how it was, but I feel sad that I was like, sorry, buddy, you got to suck it up. And he did. And, you know, he's a pretty resilient dude and, you know, he got through it. And then he went to a soccer college for, you know, year 11 and 12 and he loved it and he thrived and it was brilliant because it just spoke a language that resonated with him and he got to play soccer every day. And it was actually brilliant for him. And, you know, he's off doing his thing now really happily, but, you know, there is, there was sadness in me as a parent that I look back now and think, you know, sorry, bad luck, that's where we are. And, um, you know, I I feel grateful now that, you know, we've created something or we're standing for something to show people that change can happen and that we can do it in a different way and that it is possible because I think what I probably needed way back then many years ago was someone to say, hey, you know, it can be done differently. But I wasn't ready back then to, you know, change a outdated thousand year old system <laughs> not that I'm doing that but I'm glad you are um, now, you are now. <laughs> no I'm, I'm laughing about that because that is not why we're doing it we're doing it just to I don't know we're doing it because it feels <laughs> <Yes>, right <you laughs> <are. laughs> well I just think it's about saying it's possible now and I know that's not everybody's not going to go and start a school or start a kindergarten or start a university and all those kind of things and you know if, it takes a lot of grit and the right support and all the things to make those things happen. But there are things that you can do. You know, there are so many things you can do as a parent to say, hey, how could this be done differently? And whether that is when you drop your child off to daycare or kindergarten or school to find other ways to talk to the the, the staff there to say, hey, this is what I find works best. Is this possible? Can we give this a go? Giving them information around separation and listening to feelings or attachments or whatever it is that, you know, don't underestimate or doubt what you say and what you stand for and 
speaking to others about it, about what can be changed because so many, I think educators don't know how it could look different, you know, and, and we're doing just what we've always done and we do it because it's easy on some level and it's the default and it's what we know. But I think it is the parents that can create the waves of change by actually saying, Hey, this doesn't feel so great. Is there another way of doing it? You know, I had an email from a parent who um, messaged me about her child's school saying, you know, they just use shaming all the time to get the kids to do what they need to. And they use lots of punishments and rewards. And do you have any information I could send them to, to say, could you do this differently? And, and she said, I've got, you know, one teacher who's really receptive to wanting to look at it and, you know, might be able to drive it. And, you know, I gave her some references of stuff. I was like, go and look at Alfie Cohen's stuff and education. He's written lots of wonderful things about it. Um, that are great resources to use and why, you know, why our system doesn't work on many levels. Uh, and, you know, and I was saying to her, you know, but, but you know, you don't, don't doubt what seeds you can plant, but also do know that this is a big ship to turn and that it's been this way for a really long time and small steps matter, you know, and then there's also all the beautiful stuff you can do with your own child to counteract what may have gone on, but also help them understand where that comes from and what that looks like. And I think that's what I really tried to do with my kids who were in the system to say, hey, let me help you understand the system. Let me help you understand how this works, how perhaps the world works, how it's always worked, this behaviorism stuff, all that kind of stuff. So that then at least they had information, knowledge to go, ah, this is actually probably nothing to do with me. This is how this looks. And um, that was powerful for them. Mm, yeah, I really think the information is so key, isn't it? If to and to support children like you did with your kids, and how clearly they would come back to sit to realize, so that they didn't internalize the judgment or the shaming or the you know the teacher having a hard day. The more we support, I mean, I don't have any experience of that, but what I see is that the beauty of um, the information piece, and of course, information being that key key element in a way, parenting the three reasons for children and adults' behaviour. And one of those is information, and just actually again understanding these systems so that we can um, yeah understand what's actually happening can make a profound difference. Mm. You know, I I get asked a lot since opening Woodline from teachers to say who say, can you please come and do some training with our teachers at our school, like, you know, can you run programs for us? And, you know, every part of me wants to go, yes, amazing. And then, you know, I've had to really, really think about it because I feel like what I'm going to offer you is a Band-Aid that's probably not going to change anything because the system on some level or the way that it's been done in, in many, you know, education places is still so steeped in that behaviourism and you know, trying to move 25 kids in, in one way or trying to teach 25 children with one adult, which is crazy when we think about it, right? So crazy. And, of course, the children who are the loudest are going to get the attention, you know, and then there's so many kids that just kind of disconnect and shut down and then there's others who do, who try to be good. And, you know, there's, it's so crazy that we expect these adults to be able to do this job without the support they need and, and without, you know, others in the classroom to hold and all those kind of things. So part of is like, yeah, look, I would love to, but I feel like what I'm going to offer you is going to be disheartening because it only, it works well. And I see that it works well, but only when the system's shifted, you know, you can't 
put kids' names on the board or you can't shame them to get them to do what you want. And you have to find ways to make it safe enough for them to tell you how they feel. But how do we do that when you're one adult with 25 children? Like it's really tricky. And, you know, I'm working with other ways of things that can be shifted and changed, but I think it is until a whole school or a whole education centre or whatever is open to it and says, yes, let's find a new way of doing it, then what we're doing is we're going to be band-aiding stuff. I mean, and there's no doubt that empathy and compassion and tuning into children and, you know, is still so important. Like, you know, they're little things that many educators do beautifully already and can do. But I also feel so deeply for them that they're up against odds that don't support what they instinctively know and want to do because it's, it, you know, it's not supported in the whole structure of, of how it works. Changing systems is so such a big thing, isn't it? And, you know, from my experience, which has been not ever wanting to send my kids to school and actually wanting to completely leave that system and create something entirely new, which in so many ways I've really enjoyed. And I still found because we don't live in a culture also that supports home learning or natural learning or home education or homeschooling, whatever you want to call it, is that I have also found it really hard at times, not in the early years when they were little, but particularly as we had more and more friends when they were young, they had lots of friends and community and more and more children went to school and people moved away. And so we really experienced that just not having the community and the support and how that also isn't, it doesn't, doesn't work without, without that. We need that. So so that's been my experience as well. So again, to just to really understand looking at the cultural and bigger perspective, I could, I could, pick up those sticks and judge myself and but what I do is just go this is hard whatever we do whether we choose to go to school send our kids to school choose to create new schools uh, do homeschooling natural learning whatever it is because we still live in a wider culture that is fundamentally different to that in terms of how it perceives and treats human beings of all ages it's going to be hard and it's going to require a lot from us and it's going to require a lot for us to to aim to put in place what is missing in this system which is things like community which is Mm. things like listening to feelings of all of parents and teachers and children and you know it's there's so many things that we need to actually add in which of course is big and hard and we're probably not going to be able to do all of it because who can create a new culture on their own it's it is requiring a whole shift so I just really want to acknowledge all of us living at this time where I do believe it is like the collapse of this culture this civilization I believe we're actually going through the death throes of that at the moment and of course that's inevitably going to be of course beautiful at times but challenging and hard and require every little bit of gusto and values and care that we've got to actually keep showing up uh, in to be doing things in different ways and living from a different completely different paradigm mm-hmm. it's hard to do that within the old paradigm and I think anyone out there listening that you you know you what you're doing is amazing whatever it is that you're doing to be actually looking at parenting through a different lens and aiming to do it differently from what generations have done in your family what probably everyone or most people you see around you doing what the whole system is set up to support is a profound and amazing and wondrous thing Mm. yes yes to all of that and 
I just love everything you said there because, yeah, no matter where you look, it's even if, you know, there's so many more people who are now choosing homeschooling or home learning, especially after the last two years of what we've lived through and people going, well, I don't want my child sitting on a screen all day anymore. Or, And so there's so many more people who are doing it now and there's more communities popping up and there's more co-ops popping up. Like, and it's just, it's brilliant because they're finding their way of doing it in a different way for their children, which is, I just so love and celebrate. Yet what you said, it's also not easy because we need the community to do it we need you know and I found that homeschooling my daughter last year who was 13 like it was wonderful but she just really missed friends like she would see her friends on the weekends but one of the hardest parts was not having kids who she was she really loved learning with them and so because of COVID and because we couldn't really see people it was really tricky right and and there were parts that felt amazing but there were parts that were really hard for her and I thought you know this how do we find a whole other way of doing this and what's interesting is she's chosen to go back to school this year where such she started at a new school and even though so much of the reason why she wanted to homeschool was because uh, you know I totally dislike the whole you know, behavior stuff and, you know, I have to pull my socks up and, you know, all the things that go with it. Uh, She came to a place and she said, you know what, but I'm willing to go back. I see how it works, but I really want to go learn some other stuff and I really want to create some new friendships and all those kind of things. So there's a completely different energy that she's going back with because it's like she understands it and there's parts that she doesn't love, but it doesn't, it's almost like it doesn't touch her because she's like, no, nah, I'm here to connect with people and I'm here to learn some cool things and I'll see how it goes for now. And it's been a very different energy that I've watched her do it with and she's she's really enjoying it for now, right? And I'm like, well, let's give it a go now and see what it looks like. But I love that people are opening up to other possibilities and I love that you really that you just said it's not easy and so hang in there and keep connecting with other people and you know the community is more important it's always been important but it is so important now you know so that we feel like we're not alone and that perhaps if you you know you do aware parenting or you parent in a way that not many others do around you it can feel really lonely and isolating right but there is a whole community out there in the world who get it and um, it is sometimes finding and connecting in with them so that it gives you even more confidence to go yeah what I'm doing feels right or this feels good and and maybe that is that your children still are part of the systems but it's perhaps even just catching up with other like-minded parents and hanging out because we need that we so need that and particularly when you're new into the aware parenting journey we need to see and listen to how others do it and see how it looks like that was all I was craving for right in the very beginning I was like show me what this looks like in practice and is this normal and is that okay and I mean, they're most of the messages we get all the time, isn't it, Marion? Is like, is this okay? And is this what that means? And we are so needing the village, so, so needing the village. Yeah, and which comes back to, to me, you know, I so this isn't aware parenting, it's more the Marion method work is like, the, to me, the disconnected domination culture is based on two things. Number one is disconnections is based on separation. It does everything it can to separate babies from mothers and parents from children, da, 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 da. And what we vitally need, you know, connection needs, attachment needs, they're the core needs of human beings. So whatever we can do to meet those needs for connection is so vital for us as adults, for our children to really support that. And on the other side as well, what I call the will needs for agency, autonomy, choice, 
to really, um, you know, do whatever we can to really be meeting those needs. And that's what I love about what you shared about your daughter is because she understood. So she had the information, the consciousness. She she knew she had absolute choice because she'd, you know, you'd done homeschooling. So she knew that she had choice. So she made that choice to go back in and to learn and to, to make new friends, to have connection. It's a completely different thing to do that from a place of, of choice and agency and awareness and compassion from a place of, um, you know, coercion or, you know, not understanding or self-judgment or judgment of others. So the more we can, and even fairly young children to support them to know that, you know, if they're being, you know, if, if a teacher or an adult is being harsh with them, that's never about them as a child. It's always about what's going on for the adult, even like simple things can that for about simple things like that can make a huge difference for a child. Mm. I, I saw someone, one of our colleagues actually was posting something during the week that she tagged me in around, uh, it was a post about five and six-year-olds being shamed for not doing the right thing in school. And it was just, it was heartbreaking reading what it was. And, and you know, and she was saying, we, we have to do this differently. Like, this is not okay. This is what we're setting up. And and that it still seemed like it's all right, you know, and, and it's heartbreaking. I think when you know different, you're like, this is not okay. But it, it really, I, I invite all the parents out there listening to stand up and say something, to say this is not okay. Mm-hmm. There are different ways of doing it and it is tricky sometimes and we do need support. But it is so important that we do this because you're so right. It is not okay. It's not okay for any child to be shamed or to be put in the corner or to be kept in at lunchtime because they find it hard to sit still or because they keep talking. Like where can we lean into the needs of what is going on for this child? What is happening behind what we're seeing there? How can we support them so that they can get their needs met here? It just is, it's it, it really makes me sad. And I know, you know, I know I'm about to put a disclaimer of, I know we're all doing the best job we know now and I know the systems are broken. There's all of that. Yes. It also really pisses me off and makes yes. me sad yes. because I'm like, there is other ways. There are other ways. Yeah, I really hear. I hear the pissed offness and the sadness <laughs> and love it because that's, you know, feeling our feelings around these things is what mobilizes us to to create massive change like yes. you've done we need to have that to me it's again that you know that that outrage and that frustration is no we, we are not willing for this anymore and mm-hmm. again even though I didn't send my kids to school I know from working with people over the years is that and actually one of the reasons I didn't send my kids to school because I knew all my own school stuff would come out which it did anyway um, but is that to realize that we are the parents we are the adults and I think what happens so often for parents when they send their child to school is they because they're reminded of what it was like for them in school they often return to the younger parts of them so they get go into compliance or um, you know I'll just do what the teacher says or do what the school says rather than actually realizing that they are an adult and they do have choice and is their child you know, we don't own our children, but, you know, they they are the advocate. We are the advocates for our children. So yes. to actually understand, it, you know, if every even if 50% of parents went into any school and said, actually, we're not willing for you to do this anymore to our children, the school would need, you know, the system would need to change. So it's, again, remembering that we are powerful. We are, mm. again, the disconnected domination culture tries to trick us to believe that we're not and that we have to just comply and we have to fit into these systems we have to do what we're told because that's what we experienced growing up. But mm. as adults, 
it's not true it isn't Mm -hmm. true we are incredibly powerful we can create change even if it's you know we can change the whole system in five minutes but we can create change in our families Mm -hmm. it just yes yes I, i am listening to you and i'm thinking about you know, my, um, I was such a good girl at school, such a good girl. Um, I never really caused trouble or wanted to get in trouble or did anything wrong. But what woke in me, particularly when I was in secondary school and I went to a, a private school, is the message I got was from the adults, you do as we say, you know, you're a young girl, you don't, you know, what you've got to say is actually not really that important. Like, you know, and there were things that went on where I felt really outraged and I would try and speak them and they were shut down. And my biggest memory often when I think about why did I want to help create this school, it's because I remember that feeling as a 14 or 15-year-old where um, my voice had no, it wasn't heard. I had no agency, you know, and and I hated that feeling. And, you know, I got through secondary school and I've always had such a, you know, there's been feelings for me around the school and there's a lot of feelings that often turn up for me when I feel like I don't have my own freedom, when I feel like I'm, I don't have choice and I'm being made to do stuff, which was, you know, the last two years of what's happened on the planet, all my ragey feelings come up around what that young girl felt like. And I just, even in building our school, I was like, I do not want children to ever feel like that, especially, well, at our school, no. They all have something to say and they will be heard and we will hold space for them and I don't want them to ever feel that this is, you know, they don't have a voice, you know, because, and I feel that way for my own children. I work so hard to make it safe enough for them to share what is going on, how they feel, what is alive for them because that is the aftermath of those feelings for me that you know again as you say the outrage it fuels change it fuels the passion to say I want to do it differently Mm. and I wonder you know as parents are listening to that what your version of that is you know was it when you were in kindergarten was it at primary school was it just your family of origin that you grew up in you know where does it sit for you that anger or those feelings of not being able to have a voice or choice or autonomy or, you know, not be able to be who you needed to be, right? And where does it still sit within you? And what can you do with that to to advocate for your kids or make a difference? Yes, yeah. And we've done quite a few podcasts around power and powerlessness and things like that too so if you want to go back and have a look at any of those or have a listen to any of those and I so resonate I remember I when I created my power and powerlessness course about seven years ago I was like I really want to understand powerlessness and I really dived in deep into my own experiences of powerlessness and what I realized that is probably tens of thousands of times at school and as a child just growing up in the 70s and 80s um, I would have been told you can't do that and you should do that and you shouldn't do that and you have to do this and the you know the excruciating powerlessness there but not only there but also medical procedures like um, dentist procedures it's huge the powerlessness that we feel and uh, that was that's been part of my reason like I you know I didn't want my children to experience not having choice and agency that's why I didn't send them to school and you know, and also when we talk about the title of this about systems, it's not just about the education system. This, the the what I call the DDC, the disconnected domination culture, operates in all the systems. So, we we've both been heavily involved in birth, you even, even more so than I. And again, I see the same thing: is 
women who give away their power and comply and believe that someone else knows more about their bodies and yes there are cases where it's that's so needed but it's it's the system that that um trains us to believe that someone else knows better than us and that we should just do what they say the same for um I think about my mum and doctors my mum's 90 and you know, I still see for her you know if the the doctor tells her to do something it's like this you know it, it, I say you know the doctor's there to serve you not to tell you what to do it's it, it, it and it's so inculcated and I think less and less so but you know do what the doctor says or do what the teacher says or do what the politician says rather than you know that we we are all incredibly powerful and actually we really need to attend to our own powerlessness and our hurts around power in order to really understand how powerful we are and to also to be responding so that we're not reacting from that kind of um you know reactivity or um rebellion but actually from our true what i call our will energy so from our true power and to understand that we really are powerful so it's not coming from a yeah that rebellious teenager place but from that true i am i am powerful as a as a human being yes so yes to all of that. And and this is, I mean, we, we talk about aware parenting. The powerlessness piece is just the golden nugget of being a parent because our beautiful children come along and don't do what we want them to do. And often we feel really powerless and feel really out of control. And, and you know, so many parents often say, why do I yell and why do I lose it? I don't want to do that. And I'm like, well, think about what it's tapping you into all those times where we felt powerless all those times we haven't got our needs met and and what is activated in us so you know if you want to know where your powerlessness sits just tune into how you're feeling about being a parent and what comes up for you and all those other elements mm, particularly when you ask them to say to do something they say no that's mm. that will often take us to our you know our powerlessness hurts mm. or the places mm. where people didn't do people mm. people said no to us people didn't give us choice yeah. and agency and autonomy well they didn't respect our no didn't hear mm-hmm. our no yeah. yeah and also didn't hear our outrage and frustration which yes. is the expression of all the time the, the healthy release and healing of mm. of all the times we didn't get to choose mm. yes yes and yeah, of course this is so necessary and if we are to change the system we do need to attend to these places of powerlessness in ourselves because what i see is in terms of systemic change that's often come from either that either people comply with it or they try to rebel Mm. um, to the system and that isn't change cannot happen through either of those ways it really needs to happen through actual true power which means we need to have attended to enough of those childhood experiences and feelings to be actually in our true power rather than our often kind of adolescent um I would use a swear word here, but I'm aware children might be listening. Some of those swear word energy, which is important and powerful energy, Mm -hmm. but to find it to what I often find is to go from that rebellious outrage, want to swear at, want to, you know, throw things into actually the the true, powerful, beautiful energy that isn't aggression, isn't trying to hurt people, but it's powerful and is not willing for things to continue in the way that they have. That's what we need. We need a lot of adults standing in that. I am not willing yes. for this system to continue anymore yeah. because it does not serve babies. It doesn't serve children. It doesn't serve families. It actually doesn't serve anyone. It may appear to, and some people might seem to do really well 
in this system but actually truth truly and truthfully it doesn't serve anyone mm-hmm. i love that i love that invitation to come from that place of power within not the rebellion like it's as you're talking about that it's making me think about when i first started working in birth I worked in birth because I was outraged at the system and the trauma women were having. And it was like I would go into battle like for a year or two. Mm-hmm. I was so outraged. I was so angry. Like I wanted to just change it all. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, no one was listening because I was just people were probably like, oh my God, Lyle, settle down. Because it was so my own powerlessness and rage within it. And then I really began to understand how impactful my energy was and why nobody was listening and and the embodiment of what it meant, which was to empower myself, but also to come from a different place. And that's where I began to see change. And that's where education was really powerful. And I started educating women and, and more and more people would come and then make choices that felt right for them. And it wasn't because I was yelling and screaming. It was because... I was like, hey, how's it feel for you? And there is another way and you are powerful and you actually can choose that if that feels good for you and you can get a second opinion if that feels right for you and, and you know, ask for what you want and all those kind of beautiful things that began to um, say, you know, I think it what it really turned around for me, so many women I would work with and I would say, you know, you actually can question that or you could say no or you can make a different choice and the response so many times was, oh, but I don't want to upset my doctor. And I'd be like, okay. So let's take a look at that. And exactly like he's working for you. You're paying him, right? He should be the one going, how are you? Like, what can I do for you? And yes, he has knowledge and beautiful wisdom of, of what this looks like, but you are powerful in this, you know, and it is not about keeping him happy. It is about what do you want? This is your one opportunity to do this. You don't want to look back and say, I wish I had of right you want to be open to the experience but you'd be wanting to make you want to make choices that come from the the place of power within not from fear Mm. and that's what i you know coming back to where parenting is what i love about it and what i really learned through observing my children in particular but many others as well is that of course that's we want what we want for our children to feel truly powerful and the more we listen to their tears and particularly their tantrums their rage the expression of their frustration the more they get to express it in the you know whatever their age they are you know it might be that ah, you know that real it's really big energy the but the more it's expressed and released the more that powerful they actually feel not in a i need to go and bash people place but a true power way which is they they feel powerful in their bodies because of course when we're actually when we're feeling powerless as a child that's the time where we're going to go and take the other child's toy or bash them over the head with a plastic truck and the same for us as adults it's when we feel powerless that we are most likely to turn to power over and we've talked about this before in terms of in those powerless power and powerlessness podcasts that's what we see in the culture that anyone who's doing that has generally not worked with their own powerlessness that that's why they're using power over they don't actually feel true power in their bodies so the incredible gift that we give to our children is whenever we're able to listen to that those beautiful tantrums to actually see them express that energy through their body the more familiar they get with that energy and the more they it's not pent up ready to come out in aggression or power over they actually feel true power they can feel life energy flying through them they know that then of course to give them choices and agency and autonomy wherever we can in their lives 
that is helping them stay connected to how powerful they are as, as human beings. Yes, which, which again then allows them to grow up and actually have very clear no's mm-hmm. and yeses and, and create more change in what we're wanting yes. to do. So, so yeah, then, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, they're not willing to be compliant. They're not mm-hmm. willing to have power over them. Like I see that with my mm-hmm. son and daughter. There's like, there's no way they're going to have someone tell them what to do. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That, you know, imagine if everyone in the world was like that. Mm. And and I think again, it comes back is when we feel power within ourselves. We our generosity of spirit is abundant, and I see that in my children when they are feeling um, anchored in their own power. They are incredibly generous and kind. I can ask them to do something, and most of the time it's a yes. Or if it's inconvenient, they'll be clear on their no, and then we'll talk about it. But they're it's like their capacity to give and um, be in joy and all those kind of things is increased because all that disconnection and powerlessness isn't in the way. You know, there is, there is more trying to find the right word. I don't know. I was going to say graciousness, but that doesn't feel right. It just is. I can just see the shift in it. And, And we see that too in adults, right? When we are not feeling, you know, powerless when we're, we don't have a whole lot of feelings in ourselves or aggression, all those kind of things building up. Our natural state is to be generous and kind and helpful and open and joyous and all those kind of things. We move more into that because we don't have all that other stuff getting in the way. Mm, and apologies again, this isn't aware parenting, but in the, um, the Marian method work, there's the love hurts and the will hurts. And so I see the more we get the love hurts are oh, our experiences of disconnection or being judged and so on, the more we get to often that comes out more through crying. So the more we listen to our children and their tears and their often they might move from the rage into the just that heartfelt sobbing that's often really related to how loving they're able to to feel afterwards because they just released all that all those feelings that actually get in the way of the being loving. So again, it's like such a different way of seeing humans, isn't it? That rather than coerce them and again, mainstream old style parenting has been, if a child's behaving in a way you don't enjoy, use power over them and disconnect them. That is the disconnected domination culture. And here we offer is the exact opposite. The more choice and agency we give them, the more we listen lovingly to their feelings of both loss, sadness, tears, and rage, frustration, tantrums, the more they're connected, the more interconnected they feel, and the more powerful they are. That's Mm. what we need. Lots of humans Mm. feeling Mm. deeply connected with all other humans Mm. and knowing how powerful they are to create change. Mm, Totally. So I want to say to any parents out there who whose kids are in the system and most of them will be like, you know, that's kind of where we sit at at this moment in time, I think, please know there is so much you can do to support your children. So that is, you know, perhaps on the day before they're going to daycare or kinder or school, like some connection time before you separate for the day. Um, You know, lots of information. This is what's going to happen today. This is where we are, depending on the age of your child lots of connection time when you pick them up and and perhaps giving making sure there's space for them to have a beautiful release or a meltdown after the day you know we see that a lot in younger kids who start school the minute they get in the car all the big feelings come and so just keep creating space for them to offload what it is that's been happening 
as they get older or even whatever age, like talk to them about how it can feel unfair sometimes and what's happening, like give them information around how the system is really because that can be powerful as well. And then don't be afraid to question things. Don't be afraid to say, hey, is there a way this could be different in the classroom, in the kindergarten setting? You know, this doesn't feel so great for us. Is there a way it could be done differently? And this is, here's some information or here's a great podcast to listen to or, um, or you know, this is what I've observed in my child. So, you know, you never know what seeds you plant, what change can be made. Mm. And I'd like to say, I'd like to say anyone sitting right on the edge of the, the, the just about to tip over off the fence into homeschooling, home learning, home education, unschooling, natural learning, whatever you call it and whatever you feel called to. And you're just waiting for a sign for life to say, I'm going to do it. Let this be the sign from life. I want to be your sign for life to say, go for it. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, here's the thing, like I have many spoken to many parents who are like, I think we're going to do home learning and I'm like just remember, it's not doesn't have to be forever like mm. like what we did we did a year of it and we're like wow that was amazing and then my daughter really chose you know what actually this is what I want and and I'm like let's give it a go and then we can change it again like it's okay mm. I'm so happy to trust you in what you know you need and what that looks like for you so just know that if it's scary it's not forever and there is a lot of support I mean you and Joss have got that beautiful course and offering that you've got around home learning there is a lot of beautiful support support out there if that's what you're choosing to do or you're curious about it it's worth looking into and I also forgot to mention too like just you know if your children are in the system uh the system we're making it sound like so bad god (laughs) it is so terrible (laughs) (laughs) but if your kids are you know navigating these things um then don't forget about play. Don't forget about play. You know, so much of what helps our children process is through play, playing kinders and schools and all that beautiful stuff that they need um, to help them process. So don't forget about play. Don't, you know, don't forget about power reversal games, which can be so amazing. You know, if they've had a whole day of kind of feeling a bit powerless, then power reversal games are brilliant. You know, there's so many wonderful things that you can do to help your children, you know, find that way back into balance and, and to actually thrive and be magnificent, you know, and again, it's some children, this is magnificent. It it works really well for them and for others, it doesn't. And, you know, it's not, there is not a one size fits all. And I think that's where it's really important to tune into your child of what you feel works for them and, you know, who they are and their unique being. So, um, you know, trust, trust what you feel, trust what you know about your child. Mm, yeah and whether it's school or not school is my invitation to do whatever work you can do around your own powerlessness and powerfulness so that you know you are incredibly powerful as a parent whether that's choosing to not do the school thing or whatever else is in the system that you want to say no to but also if, if you are going down the school route to know that you are powerful as a parent you can profoundly affect your child's experience even when they're at school by the way you frame it by the way you are with them all the things that you share Leo, like you're powerful mm-hmm. basically I want to say you're powerful <laughs> you are powerful <laughs> yes that Marianne Williamson are. that Marianne Williamson quote you are powerful beyond measure yes that is so true it's so true. And I feel like, you know, so much of the work we do when we hit adulthood around healing of our own inner child stuff and all the stuff we do, it leads us back to this, to the knowing of that we are enough and that we are powerful mm-hmm. and to, um, 
to actually lean into that and and be bold and brave and and you know don't don't doubt what you can do the change you can make in the world mm-hmm. all right uh so do you have a, do you want to tell people or do you have an offering or do you want to do you want to offer people i mean you just said then about just remembering your power is there anything else you wanted to say yeah, that's it. You're powerful. So my invitation would be to look at yeah the, when you feel powerless to know that generally that's most of the time that's from the past. Although in the present time it's, it would be very normal and natural to feel powerless as well, given what's going on. But you know you can also work with that in ways to that help you express that in healthy ways so that you can feel powerful again. And if you want to more on that, we have got other episodes that you might want to listen to or re-listen to. Mm, yes, and my invitation would be to just tune into the the child in you that perhaps was at kinder or school or secondary school or how that experience was for you and if there's anything alive there and what what you needed back then and what you would have wanted it to look like and you know and does any of that show up these days with your children or with you and and does that need some loving presence and see what can happen there so Mm. Mm, yes. Yum. <laughs> um, offerings now have you have you got an immersion coming up yes i have an immersion coming up on the 28th of february it's a level one immersion so um that is starting i'm going to open bookings next week i know this is tricky because people listen at different times but we're currently in the kind of second week of february here in 2022 are we in 2022 i don't even know <laughs> Whew. When people ask me, how I think old it's I am, 2082. I go, I yeah, I know. I'm okay. the same. I, don't, I never remember like, how, how old, old I am. am I? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I was born here, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, I have an immersion coming up, um, which will be really fun, which is beautiful diving into our own stories and lots of aware parenting tools and, um, yeah, a beautiful group to work through, you know, how you can be the parent you want to be. Yes, Yay. so I have that. What about you, Marianne? Yummy. And yeah, I've got my Aware Parenting Instructor Mentoring course for 2022 opening up. I have a also an immersion, a Aware Parenting with Marion immersion, and possibly a kin, an Aware Parenting Kindred Pod, which is more of a more like the uh, yeah parenting rather than the immersion, which is more like yours about our inner work. So they are all also just about mm. to open so it's Beautiful. aware parenting abundance and richness right now hey <laughs> yes come if you want to learn more come dive in yeah beautiful all right thank you everybody for being here it's really nice to be back we're looking forward to exploring lots of beautiful things this year aren't we seeing where this adventure and this podcast takes us so uh, thank you for everybody's support over the last two years anyway it's been amazing three years maybe it's three years now wow um more than two but less than three and by the way i really want us to get to a million listens this year we're about on half a million so please share Share. i know you you normally (laughs) said that loud but please share it with your friends because we want to i want to reach a million yes (laughs) yes i second that (laughs) yeah thanks for being here everybody Mm, so much love to you Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.